Coming up on this week's show, Tammy Middleton is here with details on this year's Autism Awareness Month auction. Plus, we review books and movies. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode number 77 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from JeffAdamsWrites.com. And I'm Will from WillKanaps.com. This week's episode is sponsored in part by listeners just like you. We will have more information on how you can help support the show in just a few moments. Welcome to another week of the show. Woohoo! I know how your writing week has gone. You are once again... Editing. Editing, editing, editing. I don't actually write anything anymore. <laughs> Just edit instead. No, you do not. I spent the bulk of the week doing revisions on uh, Codename Winger Book 2 to get that ready to go off uh, to beta readers, hopefully within the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. And then Winger 1 came bouncing back into my inbox, <laughs> as it likes to do, uh, for the final round of edits uh, for Harmony Inc. before they move on to things like proofreading. I swear, commas just keep moving around the pages. I have just, yeah. Lord, I don't, I do not know how to use a comma correctly. I'm convinced of it. Or the rules keep changing. I will say that in this uh, edit, they immediately already picked up on and changed what Chicago Manual of Style changed for March this year, where internet is no longer capitaled and email is no longer with a hyphen. Critical style changes being made by. The folks in Chicago. So was internet capitalized because it was the internet? Why would it be capitalized for a, in the first place? I think for a long time it was capitalized because internet was considered to be a proper noun. Okay. And somehow I think it has become... This is my own personal opinion. I have no um. actual knowledge that this is true. But I think it's become like how Kleenex became generic. For Kleenex, for tissues, and Band-Aid became... Generic. Yes. I think internet has been misused for so long that it's finally just the capital's just not there anymore. Okay. Why people decided email could finally lose its hyphen, I don't know. I Although th- it's been trending that way for a while. I yeah, I think it makes sense either way. That yeah. doesn't. But I was impressed in this in this manuscript where I think these I saw these changes announced middle of the week that they were already changed in this manuscript. Good, good job, Harmony Inc. Your, your book is hip and... They are cutting edge. Hip and up to date. <laughs> awesome. And I just got this morning, mere moments before we hit the record button, the final galley proof of Somewhere I'm Mackinac, which comes out May 3rd. Looking forward to yeah. that. If you want to be part of the cover reveal, get on my email list. Because that cover is going to get revealed April 3rd. And you can get on my email list from the homepage of jeffadamsrights.com. Good to know. Yes, indeed. Awesome. In news this week uh, came word that RainbowCon will uh, officially no longer be happening. Um, it last occurred in 2015. It took a break in 2016. And 2017, it looks, is unfortunately not going to happen. Yeah, I was sad to hear that that uh, died, because it was one of the few rather national uh, LGBT literature gatherings that there was. Yep. Uh, Which I think, we were talking about this, we think it's just down to GRL on a national level now. 
Mm-hmm. And of course, there are many regional gatherings like Rainbow Book Fair in New York, which is happening at the end of April this year. Uh, Gay Romance Northwest, which has a new name that I've forgotten in my off-the-cuff remarks. <laughs> <laughs> um, They've come up with an easier-to-remember name, and we never remember it because we haven't we haven't fully adopted <sighs> it into our into our brains yet. Into um, the lexicon, we're sorry. Yes. Um, and other regional gatherings that are out there, but hopefully someone yeah. will find a way to make the national gathering work that will draw the people, that will draw the authors, and will bring everybody together. Because it'd be nice to have something that happen maybe every six months to space evenly from GRL. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, now, for authors in our audience, uh, we did want to recommend a podcast that we listened to earlier this week, uh, Self-Publishing Formula Podcast Episode 57. Uh, this is hosted by uh, James, J- Blatch. James Blatch, and I was trying to think of the right adjectives for Mark Dawson. He is a uh, best-selling thriller writer, I believe. Yes, he is. Um, they get together, they host this podcast because Mark is... Uh, has self-published for most of his career, and also is is a, a wizard with things like Facebook ads and whatnot. In fact, we'll be taking his course on advertising very soon. Uh, but this particular episode, they interviewed Data Guy, and I think this is the first time that I've ever heard Data Guy on a podcast. He's often reported on because he is responsible for the author earnings report, which pulls together data from Amazon and Barnes and Noble and iBooks and other internet retailers to get a landscape of how book selling and author earnings look. Uh, It was a fascinating interview hearing how he got started with this, um, that he is also an independent author himself, which is why he hides his identity, uh, because he doesn't want Amazon to know who's coming to get their data. (laughs) And for me, as kind of the techie guy, it was fascinating to hear how he does what he does uh, as well. So we really recommend Self-Publishing Formula Podcast episode 57. Uh, it was a great interview. They also offer a download of Data Guy's presentation from Book World 2017, which is titled Print versus Digital, Traditional versus Non-Traditional, and Bookstore versus Online. I've taken a quick flip through it. It's 73 or 75 uh, jam-packed slides. So take a bit, take a, take an hour, listen to the interview, download uh, the presentation and and be better armed out there in the in the world of this messed up world of publishing that we all like to play in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Confusing world might be better better thing to call it. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the of the interview? Oh no, I mean it's good stuff. Uh, Data guy and Hugh Howie are doing um, well. They're frankly doing God's work Amen. Um, because. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Because Amazon is never, uh, nor should they be, uh, forthcoming about their own specific proprietary um, algorithms, algorithms and information, um, and that leaves all of us who depend on them as a resource of getting our work uh, to readers. Uh, we're kind of in the dark. Those of us who are like, like you mentioned, you know, swimming through the the choppy shark-infested waters of uh, independent self-publishing, uh, it can be very, very difficult. So any information that uh, independent authors can glean is good stuff. Absolutely. So thank you to Data Guy and Hugh Howie for putting together the author earnings report. Once again, you can uh, check out that interview at. 
Uh, Self-publishing formula yes. podcast episode fifty-seven. We'll have the exact link for that in the show notes. Awesome. So I talked to Tammy Middleton this past week. Uh, she, besides being an author who writes under the name of T.M. Smith, uh, she also each year puts together a fantastic auction for Autism Awareness Month, which kicks off on April first. So let's hear about this year's auction and also a little bit about what she's up to as an author. I'm happy to welcome back Tammy Middleton to the podcast. Hi, Tammy. Hi, how are you? Good. We're excited that you're back again this year to tell us all about the uh, auction you're putting together for Autism Awareness Month. Tell us what's going on with that this year. Oh my gosh, it's it's kind of insane this year. There's a lot going on. Um, a couple of bloggers saw one of my posts and spread, it, spread the word. So I think I've got three times more people than I had last year. Um, every year it gets bigger, but this year it's like really huge. It's very hectic, but you know, I love it and I love raising the money. So I'm hoping this is going to be a really good year. Well, and last year you beat, you, I think you said you beat you, your, your previous year's record almost every year anyway. Yeah, I do. But last year was far above and beyond. It was over $3,000 last year. Mm-hmm. So this year, you know, I've got in, um, every year it's always been a majority of LGBT authors with a few others sprinkled in. But this year, there's really a lot of um, just contemporary romance and uh, male-female, some some YA. Uh, I hooked up with a few authors at Coastal Magic, and some of them gave me some stuff. Some of them gave me their information and then filled everything out. And so it, it's looking really good this year. I'm very excited. I can't wait for it to start. So tell us some of the the highlights of what's in there to bid on this year. Oh, my goodness. Um, Marie Sexton is back again this year. She comes every year, and I love her because she donates all of her books, as do um, the Kindles, Kindle Alexander and Ann Lister. So for for those three authors, every book that they have in print, they're giving, like one large, that's one large bid right there for those three authors, which brings in a lot of money. And then um, before Wild City shut down, Ethan got me, gave me a Kindle. So I've got a Kindle Fire with a cover and a flash drive that has all of their author's books, their entire catalog on this flash drive. Oh, that's amazing. That's a lot of books. Yeah. Um, Poppy's offering up some Dream Spinner Press gift cards. And so there's a lot on there. There's one author I'm not very familiar with, and she is donating like 15 books. She's got 15 books on her list, and I'm not following on her. I think it's called, like, the, uh, the Rock Stars of Romance is all I've got down here right now. She hasn't sent me the exact list of books, but she said that there were going to be 15 books that she was donating. So I'm just waiting to get that. And then um, Lori King is a, a contemporary romance author. She put together a box for the auction that's so cool. I'm kind of upset that I can't bid on my own auction, you know? <laughs> Well, you probably could, but... That would be bad form, though. (laughs) But she put together this big box. It's like a gift box, and it's got the autism butterfly on it. And inside the box is um, a cup with the autism butterfly, um, some earrings, a sock monkey, a nightlight, uh, a bunch of swag, one of her books, um, sticky notes, candy, bookmarks. I mean, she's just got this big box full of stuff that she's stuffed in there that she's giving away in the um, auction. That's awesome that somebody went to that much trouble to put together a nice gift box uh, for their bidders. You've also this year done flat bids, which you've never done before. 
Yes. Um, so last year I opened up, last year was the first year, which might be why the, I got so much in donations. Last year was the first year that um, like Enticing Journey, who does blog promotion for authors, and uh, Jay Hahir, who does uh, our covers. So I had cover artists and um, narrators. Greg Tremblay noted, um, donated like a five-minute, it could be for um, a book trailer on YouTube, you know, and Sean Kristen. So I've got several of those again this year, but um, I got some emails from some people last year. Once certain bids hit a certain amount, the larger ones, like the Kindles, the final bid for that was over $400, which, mm -hmm. yay, amazing, that money went, you know, but then a lot of people said that there was no way that they could match that. So what I've done is, um, as I get the list from people, I've gone through and taken some, like, small and individual items, and those are just going to be a flat bid, $5, 10 $15, and then at the end of the auction, I will pull, like, put the numbers in a hat and pull one out, and that'll be the one that wins. Mm -hmm. So that that one, there's not a chance of somebody outbidding you per se. It's more of a luck of the draw on that one. Mm -hmm. And everybody has has a chance to get some goodies. That's really awesome. And then, as you noted, you've got more author only stuff this year. Yes, because I've got I think I've got four cover artists that are donating some type of cover. Um, to, a couple of them are ebook only. One of them is um, like the full the ebook the the print jacket, the banners for Facebook and Twitter and um, teaser. I think that's Jay. She's donating like the whole shebang. Everything that you could want for, you know, in, including teasers. For that. mm -hmm. That's amazing. And it's great that the, the number of things you have is up so so much this year, too. Because I think, I think each year, not only does the money build on itself, but then the awareness of what you're doing and the time that you're giving to the project uh, just brings more yeah. people into the fold. Now, for those who don't know your story, can you tell us why this is such a passion project for you every year? Oh, because I have a child on the spectrum. So, and um, it, it's it's hard sometimes to, to get the research, to get the money for the research. And not everybody has insurance, which I do, thankfully. But, you know, I, I have friends and people I know that they don't necessarily have the insurance. So they have to deal with whatever the state can provide, you know. And money for research, some of that does funnel into helping and assistance. And it helps to get the care and get the testing done that they need because it's not cheap. But, you know, and hopefully one day they can find a cure for it. So I think everything could have a cure in a way or some medication that would be better than the ones that they have now. So I think it's just important to take care of these kids, to help them get better and to cope with what's going on and you know, therapy, things like that. These are other things that um, comes whenever you donate to these different sites. Uh, one of the ones that is one of the ones that is linked to mine that you can go and donate through is called Lighted Up Blue. And they give money to all 50 states for different programs um, like therapy. And they have for older, like my son's 19 now. So they have, for older kids, they have social activities and things and groups where they can go and be social. And it's it's a better experience for them than just saying going to a movie or going out to the mall because especially if you have children and teenagers and young adults that are higher on the spectrum and than my son. He's fully, he's fully active, you know. He's, he's still got some issues, but there are some that um, have just full-blown autism where 
they don't talk and they don't they don't want you in their space and stuff so they really need a safe place and people to be with that are prepared you know so there's no bullying there's no picking on them so, mm-hmm. so i just think it's important to raise money for that and which organizations does your auction benefit specifically autismawareness.org is the main one and then um light it up blue okay yeah. awesome well we will definitely signs where everybody they tell you to put the blue light bulbs on your on your porch throughout april mm. autism awareness so and this auction will run april 1st through the end of the month yes we will definitely link to it every week uh within the month of april so that people will continue to to get out there and put their bids down on all these fabulous prizes. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with T.M. Smith, the author, because we haven't had you on the show in a while. Uh, I hear you've got an audiobook coming up soon and uh, another book in the Alcock series. I do. Um, yeah, it, it's going to release any day. I think it was last Monday, so a week ago, that um, Joel Leslie is continuing with the series. He'll be doing all of them going forward. And... Um, we finally released it to ACX last Monday. So it takes anywhere from seven to 10 days. So any day now, it, it could be dropping. So I'm excited about that. And that's the fourth book in the Alcock series, uh, Dare to Hope. Mm-hmm. One. So I'm excited. He's done. He, he's, he amazes me every time. Every time I think that, okay, there's only so many voices he can do. <laughs> he comes up with another one. You know, it's like, what? get this wrong. And Greg Tremblay's the same way. It's like, they, they, they can do no wrong. They can just do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're big fans of both of those. Uh, we had Joel on the show not too long ago, and he was talking about some of the, how he pulls different voices out from just like thin air. Right? Oh my gosh, I'll tell you a funny story. And he doesn't know this yet. He was like, so I'm Southern, as if you can't tell by my voice. And I like to stick to what I know. So I have a lot of Southern men in my books. And so he, whenever he was like midway through narrating Dare to Hope, he sends me a message and he's like, Jesus Christ, woman, how many Southern men, how many different voices do you want me to do? Uh, The series is based in New York. You should know you wrote it. It's not based in Atlanta. He was just, he was cracking me up. I said, okay, so what kind of tone do you want? What, what voice, what, where do you want? He said, oh, how about Australia? So I literally pulled out the map and went as far away as I could get from Australia. So now I'm writing a South, South African character. And Choices is one of the men. Is gonna be, he was uh, born in South Africa and lived there until he was 18 years old when he decided to move to the United States to go to college and became a doctor. And He's been mentioned briefly in the other books. Adam, he's Bo's doctor from um, Live to Love. Live for Love, sorry. So, yeah, he'll get to do a South African character. And that's going to be in, <laughs> in Choices and Changes? Yes, that's Choices and Changes. Um, we are, I actually already have a schedule set up a year out for the audiobooks because he's become very, very popular. So he's doing one every third month. So it'll be next January. Next January for that book. And then the, or for the audio rather, and then you've got choices and changes look like it's trying to come out in middle April. I've got about 10 K left to go on it. Um, I've already, me and my editor have a, a weird way of doing things, you know, like as, as I write, as I go through, when I hit about 20K on a book, I start sending it to her so she can start looking over it. And we're, we're kind of sort of editing it a little bit as far as content and syntax from that point on. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, cause while I'm, it's 
we found that it's easier while I'm writing the book. If she sees something that there's a hole or there's an issue or something doesn't fit right, she can tell me and I can go back and fix it straight away. So it works really well for us. And she's been working with me so long, she can pretty much think for me. So she'll send me something and say, how about we change this to this? Because she already knows what, I, what she can finish my sentences for me. <laughs> That's very helpful. Cuts down on the production time overall, too. So very, very good on those two upcoming projects. And we're so glad you could take a few minutes and come by and tell us about the auction as well. We wish you tremendous success with that again this year. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. So thanks to Tammy again for coming on and telling us about the auction this year. And really thanks to her for taking the time and effort to organize such a fantastic event. Uh, once again this year, I'm putting in a set of three signed hat trick books. The entire trilogy uh, will be up as a single auction lot. Uh, that went, if I recall right, for about $130 last year. I'd love to see it go for more this year because why not earn more money? Uh, we'll have a link in the show notes, as we mentioned, to the full list of things that'll be up for auction. And then starting April 1st, you'll be able to go to Facebook and bid your hearts out. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, once again, we want to take a pause in the show and thank our listeners who have chosen to help us through the uh, their generous donations on Patreon. Thank you. Thank you, guys. We genuinely appreciate it. Helps keep this show happy, healthy, and robust. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you would like to learn how you can help support the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, all you need to do is go to patreon.com forward slash Big Gay Fiction Podcast. And uh, once you get there, you can check out all the information we have on our sponsorship page. Uh, you can uh, sponsor this show for as little as a dollar a month. And truly, every little bit helps. And we generally mm -hmm. appreciate all of you. Now, we should mention, because we haven't mentioned this in a long time, that we do, while we, while we are currently, you know, fully funded and we're, the monthly bills are paid mm -hmm. with our Patreon yes, they are. support where it is right now, if we manage to get to the really big stretch goal of $500 a month, we will is do... Is it 500 500 Okay. Yes. We will do a live broadcast. <laughs> Scary as that may be, we will do a live broadcast on mm. Facebook. So if you're interested in seeing such hijinks as that could be, help us get to $500 in a month and we'll make that happen. Mm -hmm. Now, if you bid at a certain level, I'm not bid, I'm sorry, that's the... No, you're thinking auction. I was thinking about the auction. We just we just Pledge. If you, if you pledge a certain about at the $3 and $5 levels... Uh, we also want to uh, make it worth your while, I suppose you could yeah. say. Uh, and we give you a bonus episode of the podcast each month that we are fully funded. Now, we have been uh, fortunate enough to be able to do two bonus episodes so far. And uh, it looks like all will go well and we'll be, doing, we'll be a, doing a third a third one next month. Yep. So if you're interested in checking out that bonus material... Uh, you can sign up at patreon.com. You can check out the past bonus episodes and all future upcoming bonus episodes. And to learn how to do it, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Big A Fiction Podcast. No matter the playing field, these all-star athletes know how to score. Announcing the Big Gay Fiction Podcast Hot Jocks Paperback Giveaway. 
we're giving you a chance to win a prize package filled with sizzling contemporary sports romances. If you can't get enough of bad boy football players, rugged hockey hunks, or sweaty soccer studs, you're not going to want to miss this. The prize pack includes autographed copies of Tight End by Devin McCormick, Breakaway by Avon Gale, and Back Off, That's My Jock by Wade Kelly. To enter, go to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com or visit the official giveaway page at BigGayFictionPodcast.com slash jocks. You want to win this amazing prize pack? Then get your head in the game and go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com slash jocks before the Rafflecopter ends on April 9th. So the Hot Jocks paperback giveaway is half over. You've got two more weeks to get your entries in at BigGayFictionPodcast.com slash jocks for your chance to win those three signed paperbacks. Yes. Three great books by three terrific authors and all of them signed. So uh, it's a really sweet deal. So... Give it a look-see. Yeah. I think you will like it. Perfect to get the spring kicked off. Mm-hmm. And kicking off spring... I, I, I don't know why I said that. That was a terrible uh, segue. It's okay. We're going into the book review section of the podcast now. <laughs> Which has nothing to do with spring <laughs> nothing at, at all. <laughs> at all. I don't know why I went there. This past week, I purchased um, this monster mammoth... Uh, of a collection called the AMG 1000 Model Directory. Now, this uh, humongous tome came out late last year, and it is exactly what the title implies. It is a directory of the models who appeared uh, in the Physique Pictorial magazine in the 50s and 60s. Um, This is... uh, Where to start? Um, first, let me take some of these books out. They're ginormous, enormous books. Um, Shall I hold one? You, your you head's can, not covered you up. You can hold one up. Uh, <laughs> here, we're holding both volumes up. They come in this absolutely adorable little cardboard slipcase. And the two volumes cover photographs taken roughly between 1945 and 1966, uh, all taken by... Uh, Photographer Artur Bob Meisner, he was the guy who ran AMG, the Athletic Model Guild. Um, Bob had two great loves, photography and men. And he combined those two passions in uh, Physique Pictorial Magazine. Uh, Now there is an essay at the beginning of the first volume. Uh, It sort of gives you an overview of Bob and his work. Uh, and the Athletic Model Guild. Um, There was a movie called Beefcake in 1999 uh, that sort of gives you... uh, It's a terrific movie, actually, and it gives you uh, an idea of who uh, Bob was uh, and uh, all about the goings-on behind the scenes at Athletic Model Guild. Now, originally, Bob published uh, the 1000 Model Directory sort of as... A little bit braggy <laughs> to say, <laughs> look at all the hot men that I have photographed so far. He did it uh, at the 10-year mark, the the first 10 years that uh, Athletic Model Guild was around. He put out, essentially, it was just a little mimeographed pamphlet that had uh, little thumbnail pictures of all of the models that had appeared 
uh, over the years uh, up to that point in um, physique pictorial. And it was sort of uh, meant, uh, it was a little bit braggy, it was also meant to be a sort of a catalog of models that other um, photographers could eventually use. Um, and uh, the quality of that tiny little pamphlet wasn't super great. Uh, so what Diane Hansen and Tashin has, have done is they've gone back into the AMG archives uh, and essentially curated the best of the best photos uh, uh, from those models and those photo sets uh, all those years ago. Um, Tashin has been doing really amazing work over the last couple of decades, actually, mm -hmm. uh, along with Diane Hansen, and uh, putting out these uh, really beautiful uh, books focusing on the uh, gay artists and photographers uh, who might become forgotten uh, if it wasn't for the work that they were doing. Uh, so thank you to Diane Hansen and Dashen for putting out another uh, amazing volume. Most of these photographs have never been, you know, seen before, uh, especially, you know, uh, not since some of them originally appeared in, in AMG. So uh, if vintage beefcake is your deal and, you know, why not? <laughs> Why not? Um, yeah, if, if that's your deal, you should definitely check out the 1000 model directory. I think they're really amazing. Two great volumes that also uh, come with a short DVD uh, that gives some additional background on Bob's life and some of the 8mm films that he shot of the uh, models as well. So definitely check that out. Uh, I think they're amazing. Uh, hopefully you will do. We'll link to the book in Amazon, and we'll link to uh, the film Beefcake as well, so that you can find that out there if you are interested. So this past week, I managed to get through two books. Two whole books? I don't know how I'm reading this fast. Goodreads tells me I'm seven books ahead of schedule right now. Well, damn, girl! That's amazing! It's, it's insane. Good for you. Tell us, about, tell us about said books. So the first one, and this is how I do some of them, because some of them are short, uh, was B.G. Thomas's uh, The Real Thing, mm -hmm. which is yep. a short that was just released uh, by Dream Spinner. It had been in one of their um, daily doses uh, back in 2011, I believe it was. And B.G. expanded it a little bit to make it uh, a little bit longer so that it could be re-released as a short on its own. Uh, it is an adorable story about Brian, who has lusted after cowboys for as long as he could possibly remember. Uh, he's figured out how to do appropriate cowboy drag, as his roommate calls it. So it's not all shiny boots and shiny jeans and gaudy shirts. It's about boots that look like you've worn them somewhere and jeans that aren't brand new off the rack. And uh, he does score himself a cowboy, uh, a real cowboy. And then, of course, comes the drama of explaining to Curtis that Brian is not actually a real cowboy, uh -oh. but he's a city boy. <laughs> uh, that provides a little bit of a blip, but, you know, in romance fashion, they do get ra around that, and Curtis actually, you know, helps Brian ride his first horse that's not a birthday pony ride, <laughs> and uh, teaches ride, him ride the pony. teaches him about, you know, <laughs> building fence and stuff like that, and uh, it's a really sweet really lovely short read. I loved it. It was it was actually really nice reading that in such close proximity to uh, Damon Swade's Lickety Split. Oh, awesome, yeah. So I got kind of two 
two different takes on the cowboy story, which I enjoyed. So cool. pick up BG's The Real Thing uh, from Dream Twitter Press. We'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, the other book I read is from who, somebody who's just become pretty much an auto-buy for me, it would seem. Mm-hmm. Uh, Serena Bowen's uh, Goodbye Paradise. Now, this is a re-release of a book that she put out under another name uh, back in, I believe it was 2015, um, when she was told that you know she shouldn't put out an MM novel. And this happened, it came out actually right after... Uh, understatement of the year, I believe. Or is it right before or right after? Serena's going to be on the show in a couple weeks, and we'll tell us all about that. Uh, this book has no hockey in it. <laughs> which is a bit of a shock, because I've never read a non-hockey book from Serena. It is about two young men who spent their time growing up in a religious compound in Wyoming, what many would call a cult. Um, Josh is viewed as a weaker boy in the uh, compound, uh, gets some of the crappier jobs, uh, often gets picked on. Uh, his best friend, Caleb, is in much better standing, uh, has the good jobs, uh, actually has a driver's license, so he gets to go off compound occasionally. Uh, one day, Caleb finds out that Josh is very likely going to be thrown out of the compound, as some of the unwanted boys often are, and he tells Josh where to go wait for him so he can be rescued. Um... Josh can't quite comprehend why Caleb's going to come after him, but he believes him, and sure enough, Caleb does show up. Uh, the two have to make a cross-country trip because they know of uh, of another person who ran away from the compound some years ago who has made a life for herself in Massachusetts. Wyoming to Massachusetts, not easy terrain to cross when you're 20, 19 and 20 and have no money. Uh, they meet up with a very nice trucker who helps them get across the country, and the bulk of the book is spent in Massachusetts trying to piece, you know, figure out how to live away from the compound, um, what the real world actually looks like. Uh, and as they figure out how to, especially for Josh, it's a lot harder. And as he figures out how to, you know, really let go of some of the shackles of his upbringing and the more bonds he grows towards Josh, figuring out that he can love this man who says that he loves him. Uh, it's really heartwarming and special. Now, Serena, of course, is really good at throwing really emotional curveballs at you, and the last 25% of this book had me in a bit of a mess. Uh, But it was all worth it in the end. I truly love this book. The second book in this series will come out sometime later this summer, and Josh and Caleb will at least have cameos in it, so we kind of see where they are um, as two other guys take the lead role. So very excited that she's re-released these because I don't think I would have ever found them otherwise. And uh, go pick up Goodbye Paradise from Serena Bowen. There you go. So flipping over to other media. Monday, Tuesday. Yes. Yes. I was going to say, let's flip. (laughs) Monday, Tuesday uh, was the Supergirl Flash musical crossover on the CW. Now you were dubious in last week's show that this was going to be a good thing, Uh, but I believe you found it to be a very good thing. I thought it was lovely. Care to elaborate further? (laughs) You're just going to put a period on that and be done. Period. That's all that needs to be said. Um, Yes, uh, Jeff is correct. I was dubious. I thought it was uh, adorable, frankly. It was really well done, Uh, super cute, 
And I think what made it work for me is that um, at this point in uh, in uh, in Flash and Supergirl, both of our heroes, Kara and Barry, are kind of at a crossroads uh, in their romantic relationships. Uh, and so this episode uh, really focused on uh, their romantic entanglements uh, and trying to figure that out. So it didn't, you know, uh, it didn't have to deal with, you know, crossover villains and shenanigans and, you know, long-running plot rhymes from a totally different show, that kind of stuff. That can usually trip you up when you're having to, like, bring mm -hmm. two narratives together. This uh, mainly focused on their love lives, uh, and uh, it turns out Barry and Kara are both having some, uh, actually, they're both having similar problems. Yeah, they are. <laughs> um, <laughs> when it comes to their love life. So, um, yeah. So I thought narratively uh, it was smart and it made sense. It didn't suck, which I thought it could possibly do. Um, so that was good. I also really liked the songs and the way they were presented. It was a whole lot of fun. Mm -hmm. You, I'm sure, will go into some musical you know, geek detail about said songs. But. I do. I will say that I really liked how the narratives worked because it wasn't. It didn't completely pull you out of the timeline that are happening in either show. Yeah, exactly. Because these romantic issues have existed for two to three episodes now, depending on which show we're talking about. And so it didn't bring everything to a stop so we could have this musical moment. Mm -hmm. It forwarded certain parts of both shows narratives along very nicely um yeah so for the music geek gallery it was just tremendous um the big group number which was put a little love in your heart uh which mixed in jeremy jordan and carlos valdez and john Barrowman uh from v various universes was a tr just tremendous treat having that big musical number and it was uh, choreographed by Zach Woodley who did who did most of Glee's choreography was on board for that uh, there was a really awesome moment uh, as we found out that in this alternate universe Iris's dads were uh, Jesse Martin and Victor Garber not only was it cool that she had dads in the first place <laughs> but they did a song along with John Barrowman who was uh Monel's father in this weird musical universe uh, to an old Guys and Dolls song, which I didn't recognize at all at the time, but I had to look it up because it didn't get credited in the show, in the credits. Um, Pasek and Paul wrote a song that I've become obsessed with that Barry sang to Iris at the end after the shenanigans were over, uh, and so he could repropose to her. Um, I think that will be probably their Emmy for to make part of their EGOT which they're on their way towards soon. Because I expect them to win Tony's this year for Dear Evan Hansen, and they already have their Oscar. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was, oh, and how can we forget Rachel Bloom's very delightful Super Friends song, <laughs> which was a hoot. So yeah, we enjoyed that a whole big bunch. If you haven't seen it, it's streaming on the CW. You don't really need the Supergirl part of it, because that just whammies her and sets it up for her to go over to The Flash, so... You can just watch the Flash episode if you want. Now, you went to the movies solo this week and saw Big Monkeys. I did see Big Monkeys this week. Um, it should be said that for some people, 
going to the movies by themselves is uh, an unthinkable proposition. Uh, I know. What what freaks? <laughs> I am an introvert. I relish going to the movie all by myself. Not only did I go all by myself, I had the theater all to myself. Uh, what happens when you go on a Friday afternoon at I, 12? I went on a Friday <laughs> afternoon to the first matinee to a movie that has been out for three weeks. I finally got around to seeing uh, Kong Skull Island, and I loved it to pieces, I thought it was uh, super smart, well-paced. Um, they got to the monkey action as soon as humanly possible. None of this, you know, character development crap that, you know, you have to wade through sometimes in a monster movie. Uh, yep. they, they they dispensed with the, the characters uh, as quickly as possible. It's like, you, 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 you. We're all going to Skull Island. Let's go. And that's what they did. Uh, and, uh, that's what it was about. Um, the, essentially the opening, uh, uh, action segment is Kong taking out, uh, 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 army of Vietnam era helicopters. Uh, it's super duper impressive. Uh, and so the people who survive that very first encounter with Kong have to make their way across the island to the rendezvous point where they're going to be picked up in a few days by the uh, tanker who's, you know, anchored outside of the, the veil of secrecy that always surrounds Skull Island. Yes. So, yeah, so that's essentially the plot. Uh, it's a survival plot. They have to trek through. Not only have to deal with Kong, who, of course, as as we learn through the movie, is a good guy. Uh, they have to, you know, fight all sorts of other, you know, big bad monsters and giant bugs and stuff like that. So super duper fun. Really well done. I'm glad I finally got around to going to see it. And coming soon, Kong versus Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Or so it would seem. Yes. So, and then yesterday we went to the movies to see... Disney's Beauty and the Beast live action version. I was so delighted. It was everything I wanted it to be. I was kind of gaga from the first commercials because it looked like it was really going to be done extraordinarily well. I've been a little hesitant on the Disney live action movies so far with Cinderella and uh, Jungle Book, which I've I haven't seen either one of them uh, because I don't I don't understand the need to make these classic animated movies into live action. And now I've seen Beauty and the Beast and maybe I get it a little better because my God, it was gorgeous. It took, I think everything from the animated movie was there. They added about 25 minutes, I think of additional stuff, which was really well thought out uh, backstory for both the beast and bell. And I loved it. I thought Emma Watson was really a delight as, as Belle, uh, Dan Stevens turned in a great performance as Beast, and I thought really played well Beast's transformation from this really selfish kid to somebody who, who loved Belle and loved his staff and wanted to make things right, but was having a hard time with it. Uh, was it Chris Evans? No. Who played Gaston? Luke Evans. Luke Evans. I had the last name right. <laughs> he was a hoot. Uh, Josh Gaddis LeFou was even a bigger hoot. I thought he brought some nice 
nuance to Gaston, that, uh, or rather to LeFou, who that wasn't there before. I thought the big gay thing was like a big shrug. It's like, oh, that was cute, but I don't know that it was worth all the press that it got, necessarily. Uh, the songs were great. The new songs were great. I have nothing bad to say about this movie. I was enchanted. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Um, I read in this week's Entertainment Weekly, Beauty and the Beast had the best opening weekend of any PG-rated film in history. Good job. Uh, so it is on its way to breaking most likely many, many records, and it has certainly cemented uh, remakes in Disney's future plans for world domination. Of course, Disney now owns and operates essentially all of the world's major film franchises. They have, <laughs> they have Star Wars. Uh, they are releasing now the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, they control us all. Um, <laughs> there's a, sh a brief story about uh, not only how successful Beauty and the Beast has been in this week's Entertainment Weekly. They talk about the uh, upcoming remake machine, essentially, that Disney has in place. Uh, they're talking about some of the future projects uh, that were formerly anim animated films turning into live action. Um, and there are... Uh, I also read a piece online earlier this week uh, that was taking the, um, what's the, I can't think of the, a trollier, crasser look at Disney's remake machine. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, the, the bulk of the argument was that it's, uh, nothing, there, there's nothing original going on. And all they're selling is nostalgia. Mm. And, you know, that was sort of that article's take. Um, and I slightly agree with the idea of selling nostalgia. Um, number one, because Disney has uh, in its vault um, essentially our entire childhood. So if they didn't make use of that, what good is it? Um, but... The thing about these remakes is is that it is not pure... They're not selling nostalgia uh, in and of itself for a crass reason. Um, nostalgia may get us uh, initially interested in the projects, but what you know gets people in the door and their butts in the seats and breaking box office records is quality product. Mm -hmm. It's that movies, making movies that people enjoy and tell their friends about. Yeah, if you're gonna, if you're gonna make uh, do a remake that is the yes. quality that this film was, please by all means make more. You know, and it, but if you're gonna, you know, make something that's gonna ruin my nostalgic feeling, then please don't. So I don't think. Uh, uh, I don't think Disney is, you know, uh, I don't think the nostalgia card is the only thing they have in their deck. I think they're genuinely interested in using, you know, current stars, updating the stories, using up-to-date technology to tell these stories 
uh, in new ways for a new generation. I think that is yeah. perfectly laudable. Unlike, you know... <laughs> since we're talking about crass, being crass and nostalgic, uh, I can't help but think of the exact opposite of what Disney is doing, and that's Warner Brothers and their attempts uh, at the cinematic DC universe. Um, unfortunately, uh, our nostalgia for these major characters, like Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, gets us worked up and enthusiastic, but I do not think they have delivered in any way, shape, or form quality product that we're going to want to revisit yeah. uh, time and again. I haven't seen any of the DC Universe <laughs> since the first of the... Superman with Harry Cavill, and then I didn't even get through that one. Have you seen Batman versus Superman? His name is Henry Cavill. He's British and he's beautiful. He is beautiful. Um, <laughs> I agree with that. S Superman Man of Steel was garbage. Batman versus Superman is garbage. Um, I am cautiously optimistic, I will say, about Wonder Woman from looking at the trailers. Uh, in part because it gives us a, a slight taste of humor. There might be an actual joke or two in this okay. movie. And they actually shot scenes in daylight. Which is cutting edge. <laughs> <laughs> it's cutting edge and amazing for the cinematic DC universe. Uh, so I'm cautiously optimistic about Wonder Woman. I am not optimistic about... Justice League. I think they're making the same mistakes that they've made before with that particular yeah. project. But that's going off on a super duper wild tangent. Yeah. Um, a, we've talked about DC characters already a little bit. And we were yes, talking we about have. nostalgia. I think, yes, I think the Berlanti verse is winning the cinematic universes in the toilet. Yeah. Uh, and it's resting. Of course, it's all up to a woman. <laughs> it's all up to Wonder Woman to save this steaming pile of crap that they've got so far. It's all up to her. <laughs> there you go. Now, there's no good seg for this next one because we've gone so far a tangent. But we did want to congratulate the good folks over at Where the Bears Are, which you know is one of our favorite things to watch on Amazon these days. Uh, they got fully funded on their Kickstarter to do Season 6. Congratulations, guys. We look forward to seeing what that looks like. Did you know that podcasts love to get reviews, too? Taking a moment to leave a review about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast helps us with the show's visibility online. Please take a moment to visit iTunes and leave a review. Your comments help other readers of gay romance discover this show. Thanks for helping us spread the word about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. So that will do it for this week's episode. Coming up next week in episode number 78, Damon Swade will be here for the first of a two-part interview where he'll discuss his book, Lickety Split, uh, and a whole lot more. Um, it's a wide-ranging interview. It really is, which is why it gets two episodes <laughs> to put it in, because we had a ball with Damon. Yeah, it's, it's always fun talking to that guy. So I hope you tune, tune in for that. Uh, until then... Please keep reading, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. 
New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. 